before we start, I want to pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, by your love and grace, you emptied yourself by taking the form of a bondservant and by becoming obedient to your Father's will, even to the point of a humiliating and agonizing death on the cross. Such love transcends my understanding, but you willingly embrace the redemptive purpose for which you came to earth. You, ca- you could endure the shame of the cross because you could see beyond it to the joy that was set before you. Good Friday was on- the only way that could lead to Easter because death had to precede resurrection. May I also learn to look beyond the pains of this life to what you are preparing for me. When I lose my life for your sake, I find it. Nothing I give up for your name can compare with the glory that is to be revealed. May I learn the wisdom of humbling myself now so that I will later be exalted. Lord, help me to speak your words that honor you and help us to better understand the glorious mystery of your unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, we're talking about the rescuing love of God. And point one, God truly and unconditionally loves you. I really want you to know this. God loves you. My task today is to speak of this unfathomable love of Christ. To the extent that God opens our eyes to see it, we will be changed and transformed. I was blessed to grow up in the church. I went to Garnett, and uh, I got to hear about God's love from a young age. I I sang the songs, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves little children, but I didn't really understand it. I honestly still don't really understand it. His great love is powerful mystery. If we were to truly understand it, it would totally transform and rearrange our lives. I was also very blessed to have two parents that loved me and raised me to love Jesus. I came from a stable home, a loving home, but I still ended up struggling with sin. Can you believe that? Can you believe that, Ron? (laughs) I came to realize in my youth and early 20s that I was a wretched man. Who could deliver me from this body of sin? I can tell you that no matter how hard I tried to overcome It was all by my own effort. I needed a Savior. The good news is that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And until you understand how broken and sinful and wretched you are, you truly can't understand how big and how wide and how deep is the love of God in Christ. Who understands their need for a Savior? Amen. Everybody should be raising their hand. I hope we do. There's not one righteous among us. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Paul says in Romans 5.8, and 5, 8, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved it. He proved his love once and for all on the cross. When he died for us, while we were helpless to save ourselves, we are sinners in the hands of a loving and gracious God. God didn't have to send Jesus to rescue us, but he desperately wanted to have a relationship with us again. So much so that he sacrificed his one and only son to love and redeem and restore us into his family and into his kingdom. Here's what's incredible. God's love is never, never, never based on our performance. Never conditioned by our moods or elation or depression. The furious love of God knows no shadow of alteration or change. It is reliable and it is always tender. If you look 
at the love of the best fathers and mothers who have ever lived in the course of human history, all their goodness, all their kindness, their patience, their fidelity, their wisdom, their tenderness, strength, and love, and unite all those qualities into a single person, that person's love would only be a faint shadow of the furious love and mercy in the heart of God, the Father, addressed to you and me at this moment. God is our Father, and we are his children. God is our Father, and we are his children. 1 John 3, 1. What marvelous love the Father has lavished, he's poured out on us. Just look at it. We're called the children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. In Romans eight fifteen, Paul says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. God's adopted us, through which we cry, Abba, Father. This is a huge thing to understand. If we are in Christ, then we are children of the living God, born into his family, adopted, and fathered by God. We are not just a Christian or a follower of Christ. We are God's very own children, loved and cherished by him. Abba is one of the first things a Hebrew-speaking baby would say. It's like us saying Dada or or Luca, Papa. Uh, God wants that kind of intimacy with us. We are able to call him Abba, Daddy, Papa. Oh, what incredible love this is. Some of you may not have a great father figure growing up. But the good news is the ultimate father is wanting a relationship with you guys. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to be your father. I want to teach you all breath prayer. Breath prayers are powerful spiritual exercises, and it's a great way to communicate with our Abba Father throughout the day. They're short, something you can say in one breath. Repeat after me. Abba, I belong to you. Say it again. Abba, I belong to you. Let's do it one more time. Abba, I belong to you. I really want you to understand what you're saying. Abba, I belong to you means you belong to the creator of the entire universe. You belong to the God who created you in the inmost being, who knitted you together in your mother's womb, who knows the days allotted to you, who knows every single hair on your head. This is such a powerful breath prayer. Say it throughout the week. The prayer doesn't take much time, just a breath, but it grounds you in the truth that you belong to the living God and that he is your loving father. Second thing I want you to know, you are secure in Christ. Nothing we can do can cause cause God to love us more, and nothing we can do can cause God to love us less. God's love is spontaneous and unending. He loved us because he chose to love us. And if we responded to Christ's offer of forgiveness and relationship with him, nothing can separate us from that love or diminish it. This is one of my favorite verses right here coming up. Romans 8, 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death or pandemics? I'll add that in. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or the earth, 
below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God revealed in King Jesus our Lord. Amen. How amazing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not our depression, not our anxieties, not our questions, not our doubts. Nothing can separate us from God's love we have received in Christ Jesus our Lord. This means that we are secure in God's unconditional love since we belong to Christ. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So the more we trust in him, the more he makes his home in us. Your roots will go deep into God's love and keep you strong, and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. His love is unbounded and fathomable. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will see, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of the, and the power that comes from God. God's love. How wide is it? It's as far as the east is from the west. How long? From eternity to eternity. How high? Higher than the highest heavens. How deep? Deeper than the deepest oceans. That's some incredible love. The personal author of time, space, matter, energy has, some, for some incomprehensible reason, chosen to love us to the point of ultimate sacrifice on the cross. God's love for us is spontaneous, free, uncaused, undeserved. And he has set, us, he has set his love on us because we are love, we were, oh, he did not set his love on us because we were lovable or beautiful or clever, because in our sin we were unlovable, ugly, and foolish. He loved us because he chose to love us. So what is our response to this unbelievable love? To love God completely and to love others radically. We are called to love God completely and love others radically. The way we show God love is by loving others as he loved us. Listen to this good news in John. This is a longer text, but I want you guys to just listen to these words from John. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and damage they've done to our relationship with God. He's brought us back in right relationship through Jesus. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, ever. But if you love one another, God dwells deeply within you, and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in the intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in the life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. 
This way, love has run the house, become at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love God who he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've, been, you've got to love both. We, we though, are, lo- are going to love. Love and be loved. First we are loved. Now we love. He loved us first. Amen. It's amazing. It's incredibly good news. If this doesn't get you excited, I need you guys to check your heart. God loves you. God loves us. In return, we love him back, and we love others the way that he loved us. New Testament writer N.T. Wright says, What God launched decisively in Jesus, he wants to complete in us and through us. As Jesus unveiled God before a surprise and unready world, so must we. Love is that important. The Holy Spirit enables us to bear witness to what the Father has done in sending his Son. Our witness must, of course, not come in word only, in word only but in deed. John 3.18. Our love must come in the flesh, just as God's love did. Loving God completely involves our whole personality, our intellect, our emotion, our will. And we shall love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Mark 12.30. The better we come to know God, the more we love him. That's why it's so important to get in the word, to show up at church, to share good news with others, and to grow in spiritual disciplines. And the more you love him, the greater our willingness to trust and obey to the things he calls us to do. And the better we love those around us in his name. Author Ian Thomas says, Jesus Christ gave his life for you so he could live his life, so he could give his life to you, so he could live his life through you. I'll say that one more time. Jesus Christ gave his life for you so he could give his life to you, so he could live his life through you. He wants our whole lives, not just one hour on Sunday. He wants complete rule over our lives to be the captain of our soul. We get to be his hands and his feet to a world that desperately needs the hope and love that he offers. The world needs this hope and love. If we are committed to follow hard after God, we must do things that he tells us to do. But with the risk of obedience, uh, let's see, but the risk of obedience is that it will often make no sense to us at the time. It's countercultural to obey the things the Holy Spirit reveals to us in the scriptures. Radical obedience sometimes flies in the face of human logic. But in these times, our loving Father tests and reveals the quality of our trust and dependence on him. If we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. He taught us that obedience to his commands is the way we test and express our abiding relationship with him. Our great task in the spiritual life is to will to do his will, to love the things he loves, and to choose the things he sets before us for our good. Loving God means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you have heard from the beginning. 2 John 1, 6. So how, how, do we put our, how do we put God's love into action this week? We have this incredible God who loves us. How do we show him love in return, and how do we show others love? God 
Christ gave his life for you so that he could live his life through you. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show it by the truth of our actions. In every interaction that we have this week, think about how Jesus would love that person. Think about how Jesus would, would touch that person and would, would talk to that person, encourage that person. During the season of social distancing, how can you proactively love your neighbor and your family when we're separated and distanced by a lot of different people that we truly love? How can we be the best neighbors and servants of Jesus this week? The challenge this week is to do something for someone in the name of the love of God. Put your faith into action. Faith without works is dead. Let us make our faith alive this week by how we love in our actions. Let's pray. Abba, Father, God, thank you for your incredible, all-out, never-stopping, world-changing love. Your love transforms lives. You no longer see us as sinners and rebels, but as dearly loved children. You call us your own. What an amazing thing. Thank you for making us new creations in Christ. Thank you for setting us free in Jesus. Thank you for crafting us to produce good works for you. Thank you for giving us boldness and confident access to you through our faith in Jesus. Thank you for supplying our every need. Thank you for making us holy, righteous, and forgiven in your sight. Help us to love more completely. Help us to love others radically. We ask that you use us to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and equip us with the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.